Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Usha Tulevi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 14 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, all Visma Ski Classics fans out there. This is Usha Tulebi once again. But now we have a bit of a special episode as we are going to talk about the first two races. The first weekend in season 12. And when I say we, I mean myself. I'm uh, the host, Teemu Virtanen. And my special guest is Jenny Larsson, Team Ramudden skier. Uh, La Diagonela winner as well. And my co-host and my co-commentator, uh, from uh, today's uh, proceedings, we commentated uh, these races together, uh, and it was a great experience, Yenny, and good to have you on this podcast as well. But uh, first, about you, I mean, lots of uh, people are probably wondering about your situation. You should be out there racing and not doing podcasts and, and, and commentating with me, but you're injured, of course. But what's going on with you? Um, yeah, that's true. I have uh, had some serious problem with my my uh, right hand, uh, and it started um, in Vorodalsrenet uh, last spring. Um, and I never thought I would be sitting here uh, still uh, with that problem. But um, uh, it hasn't been like really clear for the doctors uh, to what's the problem, uh, what the problem is. Uh, but I have uh, really had a problem with uh, some inflammatory processes in uh, both my my hand and my, my wrist and my underarm um, and uh, the background is of course uh, a, a huge um, uh, you know um, double polling for so many miles and so often uh, but also uh, maybe some uh, inflammatory backgrounds uh, uh, for me uh, so um, now I'm medicated for that and um, and I gotta have a, a bit patience uh, before I enter the, the competition this year. Speaking of which, you are hoping to return, so maybe towards the end of the, the season you'll be back in back in action, correct? Yeah, that's my, uh, my goal and my, my ambition. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't uh, decide that for myself, unfortunately, but uh, I, I believe that's the case. Um, so. But you've been able to train. Uh, yeah, last week's has been a, a, a slight improvement. I can do intervals on skierg and I uh, also started to do uh, skiing on snow with uh, two poles, uh, mostly skate uh, for now. But uh, uh, yeah, we have a plan to increase that. And uh... well, Good to hear. That's really good to hear. Uh, before we get to the business at hand, which is that these two races, the pro team, Tempo and the individual prologue in Ushak, Grönglitz, Sweden, those two races in season uh, 12. But if you go back, if you kind of look back on, on the last season, season 11, um, it started really well for you. You won La Diagonela uh, in that cold weather, uh, then a little bit of an up and down. But all in all, what's your sort of a comment or opinion uh, take on the season from your perspective? Um, it was a season of, uh, of great uh, learning, I would say. I knew I had a really good preseason and I felt strong. Um, and uh, since I live in Östersund, I train a lot with uh, Britta uh, and our camps with uh, 
all the Team Ramadan girls who is uh, who we showed last season was really strong. So I knew I was strong and I that I had developed as the uh, double polling skier. Um, but yeah, I was surprised to to win Diagonella and especially in that in that way with a break breakaway. Um, and then um, after Machalonga, I really started to have problems with my uh, with my shoulder. Um, and uh, now sitting here with kind of much more answers and um, I know that that was the start of my hand problem as well um, and after that I after much longer I slightly started to feel that I was losing my my form and uh, my my also my performance decreased uh, steadily uh, so I'm not surprised by that but I really learned that you gotta have so many factors uh, intact and uh, the, your body work as a whole unit uh, uh, the importance of staying healthy and uh, and not getting injured uh, is um, the most important thing to succeed in Bismarcky Classics, and that's uh, what I'm aiming for. Uh, so, yeah, I've learned a lot. So it goes without uh, saying that it must have been tough tough for you when you started to realize that you know something's happening in your body and and you're kind of spiraling uh, uh, downwards. But going back to that that victory, you know, that must have sort of open up avenues for you the or the realization that you you are capable of winning a race the, it's like a new world open to you like hey i am i am a winner now i am capable of doing these things did like a big burden maybe is taken away from your shoulders yeah definitely um i don't know if i think you don't realize that how much uh, the importance of that until you actually uh succeed with a uh, a win a race um but yeah it's uh, bring me such a confidence and uh you know i really rely on my uh on my on my skiing capacity uh i know that when i'm on my highest uh, peak i know what i'm going for uh because that feeling that i had in in the Angadin valley that day was like uh, that was all that it was all skiers t- uh, dream about to have that non-stop feeling in your body um and then everything just goes so easy indeed and now you're craving for that feeling again but let's hope that you can you can return very uh, very soon and you'll be able to do some races uh this season but let's now start talking about the uh, you know these two races that we just uh, witnessed a really great great weekend so that'll be next for us to talk about So Jenny, now looking back, this this weekend, really a great start. Uh, Usha, first of all, a new place, Usha Krönglit uh, in Sweden. I'll let you uh, tell us about the place a little bit. Uh, but when you compare this to Livigno, for example, which was the used to be kind of the you know the, the place, the season premiere location for Vismaski uh, Classics, how well did this this venue work? for this purpose. I think Usha was a really good uh, location for the uh, the opening premiere. Uh, you know, just uh, the basic thing of seeing uh, audience on the on the place. I mean, last year obviously uh, uh, the covid and such, uh, but in in Livigno uh, there are like never uh, that much uh, audience to watch the races. Um, and I think that's an important way to to have uh, with you in mind. Um, and also, I mean, 
the obvious fact that uh, Usha is not on uh, on high altitude as Rinju, um 1800 meters above sea level. Uh, I think that's greater for the all the teams, uh, especially the smaller ones, uh, you know, to reduce that cost on uh, being on a high altitude and living there for uh, many days to be prepared for the the competitions. Um, um, it becomes more fair. Um, and the tracks uh, com- comparison tracks. Uh, I don't think that's the. Yeah, of course, Usha is a more higher paced uh, track, uh, which obviously suits uh, the really best long distance skiers uh, maybe better than Livigno. Um, but uh, I I really think and hope that uh, the Bispo Ski Classic Sport are really satisfied with uh, this new change into the program. Uh, both Usha as a location and also the the Pro Team Tempo uh, new uh, uh, way to do the, the race with uh, women and men starting only 30 seconds after each other. Indeed, we'll talk about that soon. But a word about Usha, the place itself. I know that it's, it's it's a big place. Everybody knows it in Sweden, but not outside of your country. Uh, no, Usha um, is uh, close to Mora, so you really got the Vasaloppet feeling about uh, being there. Um, it's uh, really snow secure, uh, as being up like on a mountain, Usha um, and uh, uh, they are really used to arranging competitions as well, and that. Uh, I was not on on location this weekend, but I'm pretty sure that was uh, seen on the grooming of the tracks and such. It's a great place, and as you said, it's very close to Mura and has that Vasalopen feeling about four-hour drive from Stockholm. So uh, I agree with you, a perfect place for, for a season, a premier season uh, start. And uh, going back to that, going back to yesterday, the the, the first race, the Protein Tempo, you kind of mentioned that a little bit. Old format, uh, but a bit revamped, meaning that, uh, just like you said, the men, each team started individually, of course. There was a four-minute gap, and then the time was taken from the second best skier, uh, uh, both in the males and uh, uh, females, uh, side, meaning that the second best male skier, second best female skier, and those times were put together, and that constituted that, uh, you know, the total time. And the track was nine, nine kilometers long, two times four point five. Really a fast pace, pace uh, track. Going back there, your sort of picks and and or observations from that particular race. Um, like I said, I um, I really like the new format, and I think really I personally like the development that it uh, makes uh, kind of forces the team to have uh, uh, especially uh, more good females in their team uh, to raise the status of uh, the women uh, competition uh, as uh, the time being taken on the second uh, lady in your team. Um, yeah, it really develops the teams to be more. Uh, alike uh, within the team, uh, not to have just one or two stars, um, uh, which I like, like I said. Um, uh, and yes, on this track who, in Usha, who was quite flat and with high, as we mentioned, high paced um, double polling, it really um, benefits also the bigger teams that really can help each other out. Uh, Obviously, that also requires that the team has trained on this pro team tempo 
uh, work together. Uh, uh, you just can't come and try that uh, and, and getting on a starting line with seven men and think it will work itself out. Um, you need to have a plan, uh, a good tactic, and you need to have trained us within the team to succeed. That is a good point uh, because we saw that uh, happening quite a lot. You know, you mentioned the male like uh, Team Rack the Charge. They had seven skiers there. They could uh, work together uh, and keep the, the really the high pace. And then we also see in, in the women's uh, in the women's race that uh, quite many teams had like maybe just two ladies, but the one was much stronger. Like Astrid Ödeslin, for example, Marit Björgen. Uh, so then, of course, they helped. You know, their the teammate because the time was taken from the, from the second skier. But still kind of based on the times, you know, um, I, I know that you were a, a bit surprised, maybe surprised, if that's a correct word, but, uh, but taken by it at least, uh, you know, the Prittas or the Lager 157 ski teams, uh, the female skiers, that they were so strong on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we all knew uh, before the race that the, the women uh, in every team would be a, a huge factor to succeed in this uh, pro team tempo uh, competition. And that was uh, was all the result. I mean, top five teams have uh, great uh, female skiers, uh, not only one, but two. Uh, even, as you mentioned, maybe uh, some female were stronger than the second female. Uh, but yeah, Britta and Thea really managed to do a, a super uh, performance that day. And uh, I mean, just watching to, in comparison to today, uh, I really think that's even more clear. Uh, I mean, Team Ramud and girls, Ida and Lina were third and fourth today, but still they were like beaten with the, what was it, 38 seconds yesterday uh, or something like that, 28, I don't know. But either way, a huge, uh, a huge uh, amount of time on only 9K. So uh, yeah, extremely, extremely impressive by uh, Britta Johansson-Ogen and Thea Klokan-Murud. Indeed, and when we look at the times, the individual times, both um, uh, women and men, and of course we have to remember then those times are put together. So Britta Johansson-Ogen was the, the fastest. Her time was 21.20 uh, seconds, and remember this is a 9K and then 21, uh, 21 minutes, <laughs> really fast. And Thea Klokan-Murud was second, uh, only second, you know, uh, slower but they ski together then lena your teammates lena kuskren and Ida dahl were third and fourth but as you said they were about more than uh, 30 seconds uh, uh slower their time was 21:56, and then all the other teams marit Björgen was then fifth uh, already 22 minutes so uh, and and then Anniken there and and Astrid Ödeslin. Of course, we have to remember Astrid couldn't really go that fast. She had to help her sister Kari there. So uh, when you look at these these times, you know you have to you know understand that. And then looking at the men's side, it's also kind of kind of interesting to take it like. And then you can talk about that as as well. But uh, when we look at that, so Kasten uh, Juhauk was the fastest. His time was 19.09. Then Yuan Hurl, who actually didn't perform that well today, uh, 19.09 as well. And then Emil Parson, Runa Skalk, Matisse, who was struggling a bit uh, today, uh, was fourth. Then Max Novak, your teammate, fifth. And Johannes Eklöp and Morena Pedersen and so on and so forth. Uh, and then, of course, the team competition was uh, then won by uh, Lager. Lager won uh, 57 ski team, uh, then followed by... Uh, team Ragden and, and your team there was a t- really tight fight there between your team and and uh, Ragde and then was Kuting Kuting Edison 
um, that was just a fight, correct? Yeah, only two seconds uh, in the end between uh, in the total between uh, Team Like Charge and Team Ramudan. Uh, but hey, that's a <laughs> that's a fair fight, and it was extremely uh, fun to watch. Um, so um, uh, yeah. Generally speaking, what do you think about these type of formats? Of course, this was the first race, uh, kind of a platform for teams to show up and introduce themselves, their new uh, racing suits, and it's a really a great place, you know, for all the teams to have their 15 minutes of fame at least. Uh, but from an athlete's point of view, how important is a pro team tempo? I don't know if uh, if that's uh, like a uh the biggest importance to you as active, but I know that all active really, uh, really appreciate this kind of uh, competition. I mean, it's really uh, the team uh, before yourself, um, which is quite a um, an unusual and funny task to do, uh, even though uh, that's what I'm thinking, at least, and I uh, what I've heard. So many others uh, agree with me on that point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we only do it like once a year, so uh, it's pretty exotic, and that's why I think everyone's also enjoying it uh, that much. Even though I... it's not the the race you are uh, like the most important uh, when you have the best shape of the year, of course. But it's a great way to kick off the uh, the season and then the, and the racing, and of course, two races back to back. Uh, then going to the, today's race, uh, pro the individual individual prologue was more. Wouldn't really say that the uh, back to business as uh, as usual because it was a shorter race, really a fast tempo tempo race, 33 kilometers uh, in total. Still a really short race uh, for you guys. But then again, we pretty much saw the uh, the double polars or the you know the Visma Ski Classics heroes conquering the uh, the stage. Once again, uh, much like you said, that uh, it was a high tempo race, and so you technically need to be really good uh, to win something like this, and uh, like Asteroidesleen, for example. But let's talk about that then. So the, today, uh, this race, first we had a chance to watch the whole, you know, the women's race, and then followed by the men's race. First of all, that is a bit of a I mean, this done. It, it's been done a couple of times that you ladies get to race first and then, uh, well, put the focus on, on, on the guys. But uh, how do you like this this type of thing then when when we have like two races back to back and you first and then the guys? I think it's only fair to the women. I mean, uh, the starting field in the women's competition is growing each year and we have such a big profile nowadays Um I mean, just Britta Iwantonogen, Lina Korsgren, Marit Björgen. Um, I think it's fair to to us and the audience to see uh, the women themselves uh, make their own competition without any uh, males coming past them. And especially when there are such a short uh, competition as today. Uh, so I think it's a natural way uh, and a logic way to to proceed. And then what about the, the usual arrangement, which is that you girls, uh, the women, start a bit before, from 10 minutes to even 30 minutes before. So in the past, how how has that worked out for you? 
Uh, for me personally, I um, no, no, for, not for you. You, I mean, uh, the ladies in general. General. Of course, there are some skiers that are more well suited for that uh, than some others. Um, it requires, uh, if you, I mean, we've seen it a lot. Uh, both Britta and Lina has uh, managed to to uh, to hang on to the boys, um, and it requires that you have a lot of uh, speed capacity in your body, um, and of course. That's the athlete who always wins a race as well. Those who have those uh, maximum speed in your body, you need those requirements to succeed in Bismarck Classics. But um, I think if we not only have those scenarios in tracks, we got to see a lot more different winners as well, uh, who maybe just can uh, ski away from the rest of the field. I think that's a good point because whenever you start before, at least that's what I've kind of noticed when commentating these races, that sometimes you even kind of wait for the guys to catch up. And as you said, then certain skiers are really good and capable of drafting, tailgating the guys, uh, getting a lot of and a huge advantage there. And some maybe not as you know uh, well equipped, you know, for that when the, when the guys come, you know, it's. It, Changes a bit in, but of course, like today's race, the women raced by themselves. It was totally up to them to uh, come up with a tactic, and we st- and that would be so. With, uh, for example, with Astrid Ödeslind. So let's talk about that a little bit. Today's race. Let's start with the women first. Thirty-three kilometers individual prologue. Women. Astrid Ödeslind was the first one. Team Kuteng Edison, and then Britta Johansson-Nugren second. Lager One Fifty Seven ski team. Alina Koskren third. Team Ramutten. But what do you want to say about the race when you sum it up? I would say um, the the thoughts I had before the race really uh, became true. I, I knew there would be a, a really fast start. Uh, I knew that uh, skiers with high capacity of skiing fast for a long time without, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, without uh, losing such um, so much power above it uh, would uh, benefit from this uh, and we I mean we talked about Ina Koshke and Peter Johansson Norgen and Asidoides Lind uh, and that was the podium as well uh, and early in the race we could see that Astrid was really ice cold not taking any uh, job in the front uh, and you can say what you want about that but uh, she had a, a really clear thought about how she wanted to to manage her race today and I mean it's just say congrats to a perfectly uh, perfect race I mean she did exactly what she planned to do and that's uh, uh, that's why she succeeded uh, <laughs> and of course she was uh, she was the strongest today no doubt about it um, really. it was a well-honed strategy for her you know see as you said you know and she had a clear plan uh, in her mind and and she stuck with it and and then attacked the last climb and left everybody eating her dust so it was a pretty impressive uh, performance i know that you kept saying that a little bit on on, on our live uh, uh, broadcast that uh, you wanted to see her taking a lead every once in a while just for the sake of you know the unity in a sense that every everyone should do to his or her jo- you know job there uh, but but you know tactics are tactics so uh, but uh, then looking back, anyone in uh, those with the, the three best skiers there, but then looking back, Ida Dahl, your teammate, was fourth. I think that was a really good performance considering that she's been facing uh, some hardships as, as well, like you. So that's a good performance from her. 
I think she's happy, correct? Yeah, I agree. I haven't talked to her, but I think she should be happy. Um, and I, she, I, as always, she impressed me by her her enormous will to just do the job. Um, I know for a fact that Ida has, uh, she's trained a huge amount of hours and really done the work this whole preseason, even though her her problems with her back. Uh, so I'm not surprised that she's in shape. And I, I think we will see more of Ida when she has some more hours um, and some more races in her body and on snow. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you that she impressed me today. Um, and someone who didn't um, impress me was uh, Emil Fleten, who, uh, quite the opposite of Astrid, did a huge amount of work in the in the front, uh, which of course is maybe her best way to win a race because she's usually so strong um, and doesn't have the best finish. Uh, well, previously. Previously, she hasn't uh, had it. Um, but uh, yeah, um, surprisingly to see her <laughs> just, or I don't know to say, uh, just the eighth uh, place. Uh, I think she had hoped for a lot more than so today. And so she should. Certainly. Uh, yeah, she was almost a minute and a half behind. And, and as you said, she did quite a lot of work. And, and uh, but we'll, I'll, I think we'll see more of her. Uh, and uh, then Marit Björgen, I mean, we talked about Ida, but they had a really tight, tight fight there between Ida and Marit. Marit being fifth, I think, I'm not sure, sure, I haven't talked to her, but I would assume that she's quite happy with this, is, uh, you know, knowing, you know, the kind of the field. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that Marit was happy with this fifth place? Uh, I think so. Um, and... Uh... The same goes for her. I think she has more to do as well, uh, getting even in better shape for for her biggest uh, season's goals, uh, Machelonga and the, the Grand Classics. Uh, but it's it's quite obvious that Marit really has to improve her her maximum speed um, on flat parts on double poling. I think she has co- done quite a job already, uh, just compared to Vasilop at uh, last year. Um, but uh, yeah, she didn't quite have that uh, big exchange in her double polling today. And that's why she, I mean, she was like a, a fast train going in one speed and never ending. But she didn't have that uh, that last percent in her body, was my uh, expression, impression. Indeed. And then Lynn Sömskar was sixth and Thea Kroka murdered seventh. I think that Lynn, very good performance there. Thea, yeah, I guess. I'm not sure if she's that happy because, of course, day before uh, she was uh, together with Aprita, the fastest skier. Maybe she expected a little bit more. Lynn maybe pretty happy with the sixth place at this stage. Or what do you think about these two skiers, Lynn and Thea? Actually, I kind of had big expectation on Lynn this day. I thought this track would suit her well. Uh, even um, if I'm kind of uh, uh, saying against myself that I said it would benefit the, I mean, the old uh, long distance gang, and I mean she uh, started long distance last year, but um, from what I'm heard, she has done such a development this summer. So I, um, and she has that sprinting gene in her body. So I, mm, I mean, sixth place isn't bad, but I, I thought I would see her. Uh, longer into the race. I mean, she dropped off quite early. Um, 
We'll see. I mean, it's you're right. I mean, she definitely has the capacity. And maybe after the early season races, a lot of people expected her to be even higher up there. And and then Olga Tarevannik and yeah, yeah, the Alnes, they, those two skiers performed really well at the first uh, sprint point. Uh, they were then finally 10th and 11th. Uh, that was kind of a clear afterwards that that was a tactic, you know, from the Russian winter team and team ranked the charts, you know, that for those two skiers to take the points early on. Because we have to remember that all these teams are fighting for points, sprint points, climb points, overall points, and, and so forth, different categories. Uh, but then you mentioned this lady uh, in our live broadcast, Evelina Setlin, Team Kong, a ninth. That's uh, a new name. Yeah, really impressive. I think uh, uh, it was quite late. Uh, she was uh, like asked if she wanted to come and uh, try this Facebook Classics premiere in Usha. Uh, she had had some troubles, uh, you know, competing on the level she's used to in the International Skiing uh, Cup. So I really think it's fun that she took the chance. And uh, yeah, and obviously she took it all the way. Um, she impressed me today. And Anna Jönsson Haag, Anna Haag returning, uh, I think that was pretty impressive, 12th. And I, I think she's happy. I don't think she expected her to be high up, you know, and representing Team Café Brugere to be back, the mother of two, you know, just uh, uh, after five months of, a, of giving birth. You know, that's that's a great performance. Yeah, rumor says that she hasn't uh, been laying on the sofa with her newborn. Uh, she is really... Uh, trained a lot for this, uh, which I think is super impressive that she finds the motivation for this. And she, uh, from interviews and such, she really seems to be enjoying herself to 110%. And I think uh, that's a factor not to to um, to look away from. I think that can do the trick for her impressive uh, race today. Indeed. And that was the women's race, really a great race there. But then after that, the men did the same thing, the same same course, the same laps, two sprint points and two climb points, and uh, 33 kilometers. But that race, pretty much what we expected. Of course, more skiers on the first lap. We had about 60, 70, almost 80 skiers together. But uh, slowly and surely, uh, you know, the nature of the, the race changed. Uh, and, and then, of course, at the end, Emil Parson was the fastest once again from Lager. 157 ski team, followed by Ermil Vokuev. We'll talk about him. I mean, he did so much work. Uh, Russian winter team and Kasper Stados uh, from Team Rack the Charge. Uh, you kept uh, talking about this guy or these guys, the new, new guys uh, in this team. So, But your analysis of the, of the men's race. Um, yeah, I have heard a lot for the, uh, great stuff about the new Ragde guys. And um, as I said, uh, Kasper Sados has been a great World Cup skier on high uh, level. And I knew he he struggled to, to decide whether he was going for Olympic um, uh, Olympic uh, season this year or to go with Ski Classics. And I think he didn't change his mind climbing up to that podium today. Uh but yeah, like I also said, uh, the track really suited him um, and um, he got a, a great finish. So uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, I was more surprised over how Emil Vokuyev, both the, he, um, he really stated that this, that uh, he, he really succeeded with the tactic who just uh, go for it all. And I... Yeah, I, it reminds me of Petrilli Jessen, who just, I mean, there are not many skiers who can 
achieve that uh, and just uh, going like a train for everything. Uh, so extremely expressive. Um, so I bet we will see a lot more of him. Um, yeah, exactly. Is he going to be the new Petrelli? And I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, he he took the first sprint, uh, second at the, the second sprint, uh, the climbs, both of them. I mean, he was like uh, uh, really, really strong, and he led the gang, you know, for most of, you know, for most of the, you know, the time, and he was always there. So you have to be mentally and physically really strong to be able to do that, and still put a pretty tight fight head-to-head, uh, head, you know, with Emil Parson, you know, for the victory. Mm. Impressive. Mm. And Emil Parson, um, you can just, I mean, yeah, what do you guys say about that guy? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it, he makes it look so easy. Um, he just, uh, he's an expert on gaining positions uh, where there was uh, not cost anything. And, uh, um yeah, when he was uh, with uh, after the last climb, I knew he was uh, he was gonna be hard to beat. Uh, like I said, he just makes it look so easy. Yeah, he's tactically so savvy. I mean, as you said, I mean, towards the end, like the last two three kilometers, he was right up there, knowing exactly what to do. And then when the last kind of stretch, you know, when they reached that stadium area. I mean, he just sped up and did what he always does, you know. And it's like uh, amazing again. So those two skiers, and we talked about Kasper, so Emil Parson and Emil Bokov, Kasper starters, but fourth, Martin Jonsre Sundby. Yeah. That's um, yeah. What do you want to say about this guy? Well, we know who he is. But. <laughs> I certainly do. Um, no, I think he did um, the. I kind of feel the, the got the impression that he's really want to talk himself down uh, for Wispanky Classics and his uh, premier season uh, here. Um, I mean, if you have watched uh, Martin Yusunbi during his career, you know that he doesn't do anything unless it's hundred um, percent. So I I really knew that he would have done the work for this, uh, and I think he he did it. Uh, in a perfect way for for his sake. Um, I mean, he doesn't have that uh, extreme uh, uh, change of speed in his body as uh, Emil Persson and Kasper Stardos and uh, Andreas Nygård have. Uh, and but he he was like ice cold, like I said. He just waited, uh, had a good position uh, the whole race, but not uh, making any effort in the front. And then the last three uh, k, he just. Uh, Got himself a better position and uh, waited for the for the finish, and, uh, and I, seemed... I gotta say he doesn't have a bad finish, uh, absolutely not. Yeah, and he seemed happy, you know, at the finish. You know, when we saw pictures of of him, so I think uh, he was pretty satisfied with this performance. Do you think that he has a realistic chance to uh, to beat or uh, challenge Emil uh, Parason and the, uh, the the best guys in the field? Um, I wouldn't bet my money on uh, on uh, Martin Sundby as the yellow bib holder by the end of season in Levy. Um, I uh, I absolutely think he can win a lot of races, uh, especially those with uh, uh, a more challenging uh, profile uh, with more hills. Um, it would be fun to see him in Misurina, uh, for an example. Indeed. Then looking back or looking uh, looking down the the list. Uh, then a skier who was pretty much under the radar all the way through, it's known to be an offensive skier, 
uh, but this time around he really wasn't. And the Mortinade Pedersen, Team Extra, who's fifth, again, he's always, he's a very solid even skier. He's always up there, close to the podium. I didn't see much of him in the race, but once again, there he is. Yeah, I um, I really hope that uh, he has uh, done some thinking about his tactical games um, and that this was something he he wanted to try. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, <laughs> it's either way out. He can be offensive and he can be def- defensive. He's always top five either way. Um, but it was fun to see him. And uh, I, like you said, uh, no surprise to see him in, in, in top five. He's... Uh, he has done this before, and he really shows that. And then sixth, Turas the Year, darling. Uh, also like Mordnade Pedersen, always up there. Some He might have a bad day every once in a while, but how often do we see him not being in the top 10 or top 5, top 6? Again, he's there. Uh, and certainly this uh, wasn't really a course, a race that suited him the best. But still, he's up there, Turas the Year, darling. No. He... Don't, uh, do you agree if I say that you know he is still a contender? Absolutely. I, uh, I would bet more for him in the in the top four, Dello Bib, than Martin Usman Sundby. Absolutely. Good. Then what I was really surprised, and I've been saying this quite a lot, not surprised, no, no, not at all. But I've been saying that this guy, Maxim Bilaksanin, was really strong last season. He was right up there. We could see him all the time wearing that sprint bib. Uh, he was seventh. Right behind. I think we'll hear more of this. And it's good for uh, Ermil to have someone like him there. So he doesn't have to be by himself when when fighting for the podium places. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes it's uh, maybe for us Scandinavians to understand the tactical uh, skills of the Russians. But uh, yeah, I really think that uh, that duo can be uh, a bit uh, dangerous for everyone else in the field this, uh, this winter. So it would be exciting to see. Yeah, and we know that Maxim has really uh, trained a lot and he's putting his sole focus on this, being a former former Olympic and World Championship medalist and a Russian national team member. He's really devoted, he's been for years now devoted to this and slowly and surely kind of climbing up. And I think this this could be his year. year. Then we had Oscar Kadin, of course, a good, uh, sort of, a not, he's not happy with this, but uh, then again, we have to remember that it really tight, you know, there as, as always uh, in the men's race. Uh, he wasn't really that long, three seconds behind uh, or so. And uh, then Mikael Gunnelsen, you know, Reistalö winner ninth Marcus Johansson good to see him back 10th uh, it might, may sound a 10th place but it, it's a good uh, uh, kind of an indication that uh, Marcus Johansson is back uh, Lager 157 ski team can help quite a lot of uh, Emil Parson Bedletuli always another skier who's always kind of there uh, 11th really a solid skier uh, but tends to well, I don't know. What do you want to say about these guys? I mean, they're maybe not the fastest when it comes to a sprint finish. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say all those guys are kind of rock solid for the top 10 places. Uh, so, um, yeah, not much to say there, actually. <laughs> Indeed. But then Axel Jutteström, uh, Team Extra, who's, uh, we talked about the young skiers, particularly on the live broadcast, we talked about these young skiers in Canada this year being... Uh, maybe a good platform and, and scene for these young skiers to break through. And then Max Novak, your team, 
teammate. I really had high hopes for the uh, for him. Of course, thirteenth. He's not happy with the place, but he's only what four seconds behind the the winner. What do you want to say about Max and his tactic? He pushed really hard on the last hill. It looked like okay, now he's gonna do. And for a while, it looked like he could do what he did in roller ski races. He was he took the lead. And he was maybe kind of feeling it out a little bit and trying to maybe break away, but he couldn't. Uh, yeah, I really liked Max's tactic today. I think uh, it showed off uh, great confidence. Uh, and uh, I mean, he was really, he saw, he looked calm. Uh, I like what I saw. Um, and I would think it was totally right from him to try in the last climb. Um, uh, you said I I, I kind of looked uh, dis- I sounded disappointed when we commentated it because I yeah knowing Max and what he's really capable of I uh, I really saw that it wasn't like the the best push of Max Novak uh, so I quite understood that it wouldn't be um, a podium for him today unfortunately but uh, I really think that they will come this year uh, during this winter season as it has done the whole summer season for him. I was going to ask you about that, not just the podium, but to win a race. Do you think that he has a chance? Do you think that Max will win a stage? Absolutely. This season? Absolutely. Good. Let's let's keep our, you know, a thumbs up for, you know, for that. Uh, uh, then your team, let's anal- analyze, analyze that a little bit. Uh, now you're looking, looking kind of outside in now. Uh, how happy are you with the team's uh, performance on both days? Uh, I think uh, they really was uh, impressive yesterday. I mean, just being two guys and even though be so high up in the result uh, list. Um, I think today, uh, I haven't talked to them, but I'm pretty sure they both Johannes uh, and Hermann Paus is uh, really disappointed. Uh, for Hermann to be like, uh, I think he was 60, play 60, five minutes after, uh, he has, he he's so much better than that. And I could see that he was really disappointed crossing the finish line. And so he should be. Um, seeing the guys uh, this fall in Bosta, uh, I know that uh, they have developed so much and been, been so, so strong. Um, which is the key for Team Ramuden to uh, to take our um, our second uh, uh, win in the pro team competition this year. Uh, I mean that's essential for for that fact. Um, I'm not worried, but um, uh, it wasn't a good day for them. I think we can just uh, conclude that fact. And we have to remember that you guys are the number one team. You are leading the, uh, or after last uh, season, you were the best pro team uh, in Visma Ski Classics. Uh, and, uh, but the t- it will be a tough fight. Uh, all these teams, the top teams are so strong uh, this season. And, uh, and speaking of disappointments, one name that we have to uh, talk about a little bit uh, before we wrap up is Anigor. And there's Anigor, not a good race. Uh, it was like down, way down, like 26 or something like that. Um, but we know that, he, you know, we know what kind of a skier he really is. And he has the capacity. And he's always said, you know, that this prologue races early season is not really his cup of tea. What do you think? Do you think that he will be a serious contender? Absolutely. Uh, I think we haven't seen the best of Andreas Nygård yet. Uh, and I know he has been quite unsure about his uh his shape so far um, and that's why he wasn't uh, 
in the in the end of the yesterday's protein tempo as well. Um, I think some Christmas holiday uh, will do him good, and uh, we will see him in the top uh, in the 2022. Indeed, we will. But uh, so those were the races uh, yesterday and today. Uh, your analysis on those, and now uh, before we wrap up, we can uh, briefly take a look at the. Uh, the standings at this stage, uh, of course, uh, it's kind of early on, but we have two uh, races and and we have the challenger races behind us as, as well. And we look at the points so that in the champion competition, Emil Parson is in the lead, uh, 200 points, then followed by Kasper Stardas, uh, 173 points there. And then Mortene Perez in third, uh, 166, and then Maxim Bileksanin and so forth. And when we look at the, the women, the same, the uh, champion, competition uh we have Prita Johansson Nugren a Lager von 57 ski team there 189 points very tight there uh Lina Koskren your teammate is only eight points behind and then we have Ida Dahl third 174 then Lin and Tia Krokemurud and so forth so that's a champ- champion competition but of course as always we have other competitions uh in Visma Ski Classics and all those uh, got started today. The youth first. Ida uh, is in the lead there, followed by Hannah Abrahamson and Julia Angelker. That's the women's youth competition. And then, if we look at the males youth, that's the Axel uh, Jutteström who beat uh, Max. Well, actually, here. Well, actually, they tight here. To be honest, according to this, I'm looking at the, you know, uh, on our site, bismaskiclassics.com. Uh, Max Novak, Axel Jutteström are both tied 138 points and then Thomas Julie uh, from France he has 111 points so that's the youth category skiers under 26 uh, 26 or under uh, sprint competition if you look at that as well so we'll get to see that Ermil Vokuev uh, is in the lead followed by Stian Berg who's back also uh, former uh, sprint uh, competition winner and Mikael Gunnulfsen their third and when we look at the female side of things here in the sprint competition, Britta Johansson-Nugren, uh, number one, followed by Emilia Fleten and Anniken Jerde-Alnes, we show. So her uh, sprinting really fast at the first uh, sprint point. Then climb. And today we had uh, that one climb, but that was twice. So two climb competition points. Astrid Ödes Lind is in the lead. And then Britta Johansson-Nugren and Ida Dahl your teammates and then the men's competition of course the forever strong Ermil Vokuev uh, Russian winter team uh, Kasper Stara second and Max Novak your teammate number three there and finally pro team which is really important for you guys out there what team is going to be number one well right now Lager 157 ski team is in the lead followed by team Rack the Charge then Team Kuteng Edison, and you guys are fourth. You have now, I mean, Lager has 400 points. You guys have 280 points. Are you uh, concerned at this stage? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, that can change fast. Uh, so, uh, But it will be a, a great fight for, it feels like uh, many teams are really going in for the pro team competition this year. Uh, so it will be, be really fun to follow. Indeed. And then the next race uh, will be in Italy. 
actually two races there. We have the Miss Arena Trisime Criterium, and then we have a Miss Arena Individual Tempo. A quick word about those. Uh, I, I know that you mentioned this Individual Tempo uh, in our live broadcast, uh, and you said that it's a kind of an interesting format as well. Yeah, it will be a totally new format for uh, for everyone in Miss Classics. Uh, so I think that uh, open doors for new winners uh, and uh, yeah, it will be super fun to see. And also, I mean, it's a great scenery up there in Dreisin and, and, uh, and Misurina. So uh, just looking at that will be a, a pleasure. Yes, those two races are uh, in early January, uh, Saturday, January 8th, is the Trisine-Sime Criterium, those are three points. That is a 42-kilometer uh, race, uh, then followed by this individual tempo, which is an indi individual start uh, race, which is uh, very common in, in, in the World Cup, you know, but not really uh, uh, in Vismaski Classics. So that's an 11-kilometer race there. Then uh, the following week, in Regenserennen, 75-kilometer race, uh, followed by Engadin La Diego Nela, that's on January uh, 22nd. That Regenserennen is January 15th, followed by Machalonga uh, in Italy, the famous uh, race, legendary Machalonga, the Long March, which is the first of the Grand Classic races, that's uh, January 30th. Uh, then there's a two-week break, and then Yiserska Paresatka, uh, which is on February 13th. That's a second race in the Grand Classics. And also we have to remember that is a, a separate tour, a separate competition within the, you know, the, you know, the overall tour, that Grand Classics trophy. And then we have Tartu Marathon, a new race, or actually an old race that returns, uh, again, a classic race uh, in Estonia, 63 kilometers. Then Basa Lopet, uh, March 6th, 90 kilometer race. Uh, Birkebeine Rennet, 54 kilometers. Uh, both of these really, you know, uh, legendary races, followed by the longest event or race in the calendar. Orefels Lopet, 100 kilometer race. Then Reiste Löpe, April 2nd. That's a really a tough course there. That is probably something that could suit Martin Jönsrösunbu really well. And then Ulles Levi is the race that will then conclude the season on April 9th. So that is the calendar. Two races behind us. Uh, now I'll let you uh, leave the audience with your final thoughts, final analysis. You know, since we now have two races behind us. Um, yeah, I would say it was a uh, quite um, expected results this weekend, and uh, you guys say that Lager 157 are experts on Pro T Tempo. Um, so uh, just say congrats to them and for an amazing weekend, and uh, uh, it's going to be a great season to follow. Indeed, it will. Thank you very much, Yenny, uh, and good luck with you. Let's hope that you'll you'll get back in action very uh, soon, and you have a. Merry Christmas and, and, of course, a Happy New Year. And all of you guys out there, uh, remember that we will continue after the break. Uh, that'll be, as I said earlier, in early January with those races in Misurina, Italy. So thank you, Jenny, for being part of this. Thank you, Temu. And thank you, folks out there listening to our Usha to Levy podcast. Stay tuned for more action. For now, I say, it, uh, say happy and Merry Christmas to you all and enjoy life. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
This podcast is a W Sports Media production.